The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Um, you know, somebody earlier had mentioned to one of our pastors, hey, somebody took my parking spot. And so um, if that happened to you, let us know and we will have them towed immediately. Um, so but if you're here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just listen to the message from last week and it will all kind of make sense. But anyway, um, today, I don't know if you got the memo, today is vest day um, and it's like you're being hugged all day long when you wear a vest. So it feels good. It's like, ah, somebody's embracing me. So um, we're in a series called Mind Games Today is part two, and really this whole series centers around uh, what, what Andrew talked about a couple of Sundays ago, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, the transformation by the renewing of our minds. And so we're talking about that, and today, in part two, we're going to land in Colossians chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, which I always, always, always encourage you to bring, and of course, if you've got a smartphone with a Bible app, that's uh, fine too. And I also want to remind you, um, take notes. Be a note taker. We have journals available in the lobby if you ever need something to take notes in. You can pick one up back there. Um, they're pretty cheap. But anyway, um, Colossians 3 is where we're going to land. And if you're not super familiar with the Bible, and maybe you're turning pages wondering where it's at, kind of towards the back a little ways, it's around Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, kind of all the area, um, not in that order, but anyway. So um, we, we, you saw on the screen there a family playing a, a board game, and um, it was the board game Shoots and Ladders. How many of you guys have ever played Shoots and Ladders before? Come on, raise your hands high. Um, I was looking this up this last week, kind of the history of it, and there was an old, old commercial that was even before my time and, uh, uh, of Shoots and Ladders, and I've played with my kids many, many, many times, and of course the catch to the game is really in the title, that if you land on at the bottom of a ladder, your piece, then you get to climb up a ladder and skip going across and across and across up the board. Um, and then, of course, if you land on a chute or a slide, um, you slide way down. And the goal is to get to the very top and get to the number 100, and you win. And you might go, what in the world does that even have to do with, like, the Bible? I mean, come on here. And the truth is this. It's as simple as this. Our goal as followers of Christ is really to climb towards Christ-like living as we live out our faith and, and, and moving you know, our way towards what, what Jesus prays, you know, God's will on earth as it is in heaven um, until we actually reach heaven, as opposed to the shoots in our lives that if we you know, end up doing things or, or involved in habits that aren't what God wants, it takes us down a path that we really shouldn't go. And so today in part two, it's called Shoots and Ladders. In Colossians 3, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip to verse 12 and read from there. So if you're reading along or following along, Colossians 3, starting here in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at God's right hand. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Fast forward now to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly or among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray together. God, we bow our heads before you and our hearts, and, and it's, it's this invitation, I guess, that I often pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in all of us, that your Holy Spirit would continue to help us be transformed in the ways that you desire, God, even as we walk today through this conversation about shoots and ladders. God, the value of it is simple, God, but I think profound in our ability to become more like Christ. That's what we surrender to. Help us get it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul here, this is a letter written by Paul. As, as we've said many times, you know, Paul was on three different missionary journeys helping establish the first century church all over the Mediterranean area, and, and Colossae was one of those places. He writes a letter. It becomes the book of Colossians in the Bible, and his concern for this church is, is something that he's, he's writing about. And he writes here in chapter 3, verse 1, "...since then you have been raised with Christ." He's saying this, because your life is resurrected, and, and it's a way to look at, for you and me, many of us in this room have surrendered our lives to Christ, that forgiveness for anything that we've done wrong, for the sins that we've committed for not doing right, that, that, that the penalty for that is so drass and such a big deal that Jesus had to pay the price for your sin and my sin, that we couldn't be good enough to earn our way out of it, and that's why we need a Savior. And so Paul reminds the church, since you've been resurrected, since you have true life, since you have abundant Life. If you go back to chapter 2 of Colossians, in verse 11 and 12, it says this, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And he's not talking physical circumcision. He says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Paul says something, and to put it more simply, that you and I as believers in Christ, have been raised to real life, to abundant life, to true life because of Christ. Paul writes also to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians, in chapter 1, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by death or by life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That for you and I, that, that Life is found in Jesus Christ. And Paul says the natural outflow of having life, having abundant life in Christ, is setting our hearts on things above where Christ is. The natural outflow of our faith is setting our minds and hearts on Jesus Christ. Not just appreciating salvation and our eternal destination, which is heaven, with Christ, but also thinking Heaven. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The message version of these verses says this, verses 1 and 2. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, then act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along. Listen to this. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. He's saying, look, don't just say, I follow Christ, or I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian. Act like it. I have a son who's 12, his name's Jack. I love him like crazy. He says, I want to be a professional baseball player. I said, buddy, that's awesome. 
And so over the last few years, he's mentioned this, and we've talked about it. And I said, if you want to do that, I can't be the one that, that motivates you. You've got to have a drive to accomplish what needs to be accomplished at 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and on so that you can actually get to that destination. I can try to provide you the tools. I can try to encourage you, give you some direction, connect you with other people that played baseball better than I did as a kid. And, and I've tried to do that. And so one of the things we've talked about is I, I downloaded the Buster-only MLB podcast. I said, buddy, listen to this so you can understand some of the logistics of baseball, that it's not just a bat and a glove and people hitting and running around bases. There's so much more to the game. You've got to mentally understand the logistics of the game. On top of that, let me encourage you that as much as him and I can practice and throw the ball around and stuff, you've got to do that on your own. I said, here's some simple things you can do if you want to work on eye-hand coordination. And again, I'm no pro, but I said, lay on your back and throw the ball straight up in the air and back down and catch it with this hand and then do it with your other hand and get better at your eye-hand coordination. I said, it's as simple as this. Do like 30 push-ups a day just to start with because physically you want to build some muscle. And guess what? I asked him even just yesterday, literally, he was sitting on the couch. I said, hey, bud, how are your push-ups going? And he looks at me and gives me, you know, and I go, is it, does it look like this? And he goes, yeah. I can't force him. I can try to give him some basic tools, but I can't force him to, to do what he's supposed to do. And in the same way, Paul is saying to the church, and I would say to you, I can't force you to become more like Christ. I can simply offer you some tools. We can simply go over some of the basics that will help you become more like Christ. But it's up to you. This is fully in your hands. And so Paul says, if you're serious, you say you're a follower of Christ in this whole new resurrection life, then act like it. Pursue things over which Christ presides. I didn't grow up in church. I've said this before. At 16 and a half going on 17, I, I, I came to a church service because a cute girl invited me, and I'm not stupid. I said, yeah, I'll go. And um, in that service, I feel like I had a revelation of Christ. And that can sound really crazy, but I feel like I did. And I explained it to her and said, you need to choose now that you know to follow him or not. It's up to you. And that's where my life in Christ began. But before that, I didn't grow up in church world. And my parents were fine people and, and, and loved them like crazy. And my upbringing was, was normal, I suppose. But I also was this kid growing up in, in the, the streets of Marysville, I guess, listening to things like Two Live Crew and NWA and Easy E. And I don't know why I picked that music, but that's what I listened to. And that is where my head was. And if you know those lyrics at all, that's not a good thing. I think every tape I had, it was tapes, cassette tapes, which are making a comeback. Did you catch this? I was shocked. Like, oh, now they're going to say the quality is better on tape. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, but uh, that's what I had tons of, I had like that B, BMC music service where you get a new tape every month. And I, so, I know, I'm going back to the mid-90s. Okay, early 90s, late 80s. Shoot, anyway. So there was that. Okay, I was also exposed to pornography at a young age. From, from my neighbor and then my own father said, hey, check these out at one point, okay? So th this is what's in, I'm not even going to comment on anything right now. But I say that because this is where my head was. I didn't have morality. When I was eight or nine years old, one of my favorite movies was Bachelor Party, okay? If you've seen it, I'm super sorry. But these are the things that filled my head. This is where I was at as a kid growing up without any kind of morality, I, I, when my mom got remarried and, and I had stepbrothers, they invited all kinds of drugs into our house. We had piles of them. They would divvy up to go out and sell. This is how I grew up. 
And so my mind is all over the place about what's right and what's wrong. I didn't have any sense of real morality. And so when I gave my life to Christ, it was super evident. I remember being at a youth function as a brand new Christian. And here's a bunch of youth, and we're hanging out at someone's house, and we're playing games or whatever's going on, and, and Jenga was stacked up on a table, and a bunch of us are playing Jenga. And I pull one of the blocks out, and the whole thing crumbles, and guess what I threw out? JC, not as a prayer. I did, and everybody looks at me mortified. I'm like, that must be wrong. <laughs> now, I say that because on one hand, you can go, that's kind of funny. On another hand, like, I didn't know anything about anything. Anybody remember the, the WWJD movement? Anyone in here remember? And uh, yeah, it's still around. You can probably still get magnets and bracelets and whatever else, I guess. It was, what would Jesus do? And the whole idea was, you know, what would Jesus say in this circumstance? How would Jesus treat these people? What would Jesus, you know, what would he say to be a part of? What would he say to not be a part of? WWJD, would he treat people like this? Would he entertain this? Would he do this? Would he talk like this? So WJD was that filter. The, the, the problem that we live in today, and it's okay, is this, for some of you in this room, when we simply say, here's your filter, what would Jesus do? There are individuals sitting in here, and you go, I don't know. And, and some of us that have been seasoned believers in Christ would go, how can you not know? I mean, this is right, this is wrong. Don't you get that? Let me ask you, everybody in the room, this. Hey, you guys. What would Bobby do? My point exactly. There are people in this room that you don't have a background in faith. And when we say, guys, what would Jesus do? And we throw it out there like, we know, here's the, do here's the do's, here's the don'ts. There's plenty of people that you don't, you don't have that background. And many of us need to, to, to wisen up to the fact that not everybody grew up in church world. Not everybody has that same filter that's sort of quote-unquote automatic. Well, I did the Sunday school class, and we had the flannel boards, and I was involved in, you know, missionettes and Royal Rangers. And that, great. But not everybody has that. And so for some of us, we need to remember that there's people sitting all around us that when we say, what would Jesus do? Their mind goes as blank as when I say, what would Bobby do? It's the same deal. You, you don't, people are learning and it's a journey. And if you're in this room and I bring up what would Jesus do and your mind kind of goes, well, I don't really know, it's okay. It's about being on a journey where you're gonna learn, where you're gonna take the time, where you're part of a, a gathering like this, where I talk all the time about the value of reading the scriptures and, and, and taking them in. And I'm always saying that. You, I feel like, a, like I'm, I'm just constantly beating that drum. Read the Bible, read the Bible. Read the Bible, read the Bible. And I'm telling you, that is, to me, one of the greatest ways to, to set our mind on things above. So let me say this, back to the conversation about shoots and ladders, okay? When we talk about ladders, we're talking about climbing towards what Christ desires. When we talk about shoots, it's slides that take us away from what God wants, God's design for our lives. And so what, what I want to say is when you see words, when I say read the Bible, which we talk about a reading plan, and if you carved out somewhere around 15, 20 minutes every day, you could read the whole Bible in a year, and that's what, we're, that's what our goal is every single year, all the time. But when you read the Bible, there's lists. And I'm going to go back to the conversation about being a note taker. If you're in here today and you're not taking notes, I would say this for everybody, be a note taker. And now you're like, great, what am I supposed to write on? Like, I don't, I don't, anyway, but... Um, when you take notes, make, here's what it is, make lists. Here, here's, a, here's a list that's called ladders. 
And here's a list that's called shoots. And when you read the scriptures, there, there's different words that, that come into our minds as we read them and go, that's something that God wants me to be a part of. That's how Jesus lived or would challenge me to live. And others where it's like, no, no, stay away from those things. Make list. It's okay. Write it down. When you read it, write it down. If you need a, a journal with a piece of paper and the titles, then fine, fill it in because you're learning what's right and what's wrong. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago Galatians 5.22. Those are ladder climbers. The fruit of the Spirit, and there's nine of them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are ladder climbers, okay? But right before Galatians 5.22 is Galatians 5.20 and 21. And it says this, the acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's your shoots. There's the li- Paul just made a list of one and a list of the other right there for you. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you should do. Okay. There, there's another list. There's a bunch of them. I'll just, I'll just give you a couple others. In 2 Peter 1, here, here's a list. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith. There's one. You can write down faith on the latter list. uh, Goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And then he goes on to tell you what this will do. For if you possess these ladder climbers... For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my dear brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lists. Maybe this is overly simple, but if you're in here and maybe you've been a Christian for decades and you haven't made lists, let me encourage you to take a step. Do something maybe you've never done before because there's something about for you and I that it's not just eternity. If, if we were just made to surrender our lives to Jesus and, and then go, okay, now heaven's my destination, I, I've arrived, then we probably should just be dead. But because there's so much more to you and I living out th- this whole on earth as it is in heaven thing, these lists, I think, are helpful. Back to Colossians 3, where Paul now is going to offer a list. And some of these are going to repeat what I just read. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. 
Offer grace towards each other. Realize that we're not all the same. Anybody ever drive you crazy? Just raise your hand. Yeah, everybody's hand needs to be in the air right now. Some of you looked at your spouses. Don't do that. Not right now. Do that on the way home like he was talking to you. We're not all the same. We drive each other nuts. I drive myself nuts sometimes. We need grace towards each other because we make each other nuts. So he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. And now he's going to raise the bar. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive, here's the bar, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a high bar because he's saying it's for all of us. How much has Christ forgiven you and I? Completely everything. And we're called to forgive others. We talked about a while back in this series, we talked about forgiveness. And for some of you, you're so hung up on forgiveness because you think forgiveness means you wipe it away and you're best buddies again. But that's not what forgiveness means. It doesn't mean that the relationship is automatically reconciled and everything's hunky-dory. Forgiveness can, can feel challenging, but we're called to do it because Christ forgave us. He says, forgive as Christ forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Saying at the core, at the core is love. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. What a great week for that. Being thankful. Let the message of Christ, so he goes from where he starts the conversation from verse 1 here, he goes back to the, to the core. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we talk about this, I mentioned that for you and I, reading the Bible is such a huge deal. And 500 years ago, the Reformation happened with Martin Luther, and, and what it became was, was, a, was a movement that the Bible was for the common person, not just for church leaders who were manipulating it. And I would say the same thing for you, that it's not just about you sitting here going, that's great, Pastor, I believe everything you say. It's about realizing the value of you personally having a habit of reading the Bible. And I think a healthy habit is to take it daily. And I know you, oh, I missed a day, or I missed a couple, or I missed a week, or whatever it was for you. Fine, pick it back up. Don't get condemned while I'm done then. Pick it back up, reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture. If you've never made it a habit to memorize Scripture, there's something amazing about being able to recall it whenever you want. You're driving somewhere, you're at work, whatever it might be, you can go, hey, there's that verse. It's good. I need that right now. Memorize. I've given you like a whole plateful of verses that, that you could put a couple of those to memory this week if you wanted to. We talk about studying Scripture, taking it deeper than reading it, and that's good. Reading it's awesome. But studying it, there's no doubt, and this is for all of us, not like you, for all of us, there's plenty of times where we read the Bible and go, I'm not quite sure, like, what does that mean, or where does that fit, or what is that about? I mean, right now in the plan, we've been reading through like Haggai and, and you know, Zechariah, and we were in Ezra, and, and we're kind of all over, and there's a prophetic, like, what does that mean? But I've said before, little by little, it's pretty cool to see pieces kind of be put in place. But you got to be faithful to the process, the diligence of, of, of reading and then studying comparing certain verses and how the Old Testament plays into the New Testament and, and why that's such a big deal. Listening to worship. 
It's, 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 it's awesome because in a second here, he talks about singing psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. And sometimes I think people have thought this is like we walk around and we sing to each other. And that's not the picture because we don't do that, right? If you do, that's kind of weird. Unless it's Valentine's Day and you got some cool plan to get engaged, congratulations. But otherwise, it's weird. Like walk around like, Ryan, so good to see you. Praise the Lord for you today. <laughs> You're like, what was that? Hey, weirdo, don't come near me anymore. So we don't do that, but what, what he is talking about is the power of what music does inside of us. And I talked about that a bit ago when I, I had all those tapes, okay, back to that. I had all those tapes and I had a whole rack of them. And, and my youth pastor preached a message one time that convicted me so badly about all that music that I remember putting them at one night. He was parked up here in this gravel lot. I put all these tapes on the roof of his car and like ran away. Like, I don't want him to know those were mine, you know. And then I went out and bought stuff, worship music that was going to help me renew my mind. And for some of you, worship, man, I, I know, like, I love listening to worship music. I put in my earbuds, or sometimes I do sing, and hopefully people don't hear me, but I do. And, um, and, and that helps, you know, transform me. And, and then at the end, he says this, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him all these ways that, that we're, we're called to be transformed, all these basic principles that are ladder climbers or, or, or slide shoots that we end up falling down, not becoming what God desires in us. The community of faith is a big one. If you're in a life group, I'm hoping that you're having conversations that are continuing to challenge your faith. And if you're in here and you're not in a group yet, I want to create tension in you. Get into a group. And I know people have said, well, you know, I, I don't, have, don't have time right now to get into a group. My, my life's crazy and I travel. And that can be a challenge. I do get that. And, and, and others go, well, I did a group before. I hated it. I, it was not good. And I would still say this, then find a different group. Find another group. Get into another group. Because we need the community of faith to sharpen each other and to encourage each other, to pray with each other, and to build one another up. It's biblical. We've said before, if you, you're in a group and you didn't like it, don't bail on groups. Find another group. It's like a bad haircut. Just don't go to that place anymore. But don't quit getting your haircut. community of faith is a big deal. And then we mentioned, I actually put this out there on Facebook uh, Thursday, coming up February 2nd. I know it's a little ways out, but I encourage you, if you're dating, you're engaged, or you're married in here, February 2nd is going to be a great night, okay? We've got doctors Les and Leslie Parrott coming, and, and they're going to do it. So it's called a fight night, and it's basically how to deal with conflict in, in, in marriage, because every one of us that has ever been married has had conflict in our marriages. Don't elbow your spouse right now or look at them. Just look at me, Okay. <laughs> But, but February 2nd, is, 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 we're trying to help all of us have better marriages. And actually, they, uh, they created a quick video. You could, uh, let's go ahead and play that real quick. In the Grove Church, this is Dr. You guys for fight night. We will be there on February 2nd to share a fun date night experience. Yeah, you're probably thinking, fight night? Why would I want to spend <laughs> a date night talking about conflict? Well, let me tell you. First of all, let's be honest, we all have conflict. For sure. When you have, learn how to use it to your advantage, right. you'll discover that conflict is actually the price we pay for a deeper level of intimacy. It's really true. And that's exactly what we're going to provide for you. Plus, it's going to be fun. We're going to laugh while we learn, and it's going to be a blast to grow closer together. Yeah, so make it a double date, bring some friends, and uh, get ready to rumble. We'll see you soon. Let's get ready. No, okay. Um, 
But, but here's, I will say this though, we put it out there on, on Thursday and I think we, there was already like half full already because this is room, is the capacity is what can fit in this room and they do events for huge, huge crowds and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it, we'll, we'll uh, commit to that. And so they're coming, but I would encourage you to sign up now. If you go to grovechurch.info, which is our hub online, if you go to grovechurch.info, you can click on the link and you can totally sign up, but I would encourage you not to wait because it is absolutely gonna sell out and I would guess maybe by the end of this week, it's going to sell out, so I encourage you to, to get in there and, and, and sign up and, and stuff. Um, l- let me go back to something. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 11, there, there's a picture of, of how we're called to exist in an ongoing way, and it says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. This is Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And the picture there, Old Testament, some of the, the patterns of like keeping God's priorities before people, these were some examples. And today, it may not be so much walking along the road, but it may be when you drive in your car and your kiddos are with you. It may be when you're hanging out with family on Thanksgiving and turning things from simply eating a whole bunch of food and having a nap and watching a football game to like, what if we focused on how we are grateful and some of the things we really appreciate that God has blessed us with this Thanksgiving. And so the picture that, that's painted in the Old Testament is really for you and me. And when we see that, it's a reminder, are those things happening in our daily lives are, are, are we picking up some of these habits? How could we better steer our conversations to the things of Christ rather than just on, you know, just the normal everyday Seahawks and weather and, you know, whatever else? How could we do that in our lives? And to me, Deuteronomy 11 gives you some great examples of conversations and ways to steer things towards our own faith. God, today, in this message, I, I pray that we would look at our, our, our lives through this filter, sure, it's a kid's game. But I think it's poignant for all of us as a reminder that we're called to climb towards Christ. And yet there's each of us in here that at times struggle with those, those shoots, with those slides that, that, that all of a sudden we feel like we're taken down a level, that things aren't where we want them to be. So God, I pray for a greater discernment. I pray for a better understanding of some of these things we read about in the New Testament, these lists that Paul and Peter and individuals give us that help us realize here's what's good, Here, here's what's not good, here's things to move towards and here's things to stay away from because ultimately you have our best in mind, God. You want us to become more like Christ and I pray for that strength in each of us. I pray for that community around us that we need to build us up. I pray for that, that discipline in our lives, God, to become a habit of reading scriptures, of meditating, thinking about the verses that we read, and memorizing, and, and at different points in our day, recalling those things we're trying to memorize, even singing some of those songs that even on Sundays we sing. Lord, that we can climb that ladder, that we can become more like Christ, that your will in our lives can happen on earth as it is in heaven until we reach heaven. We need you, God, to do that. We surrender these things to you. Forgive us, Lord, where we land on those, those things that cause slides, shoots in our lives, God. Thank you for your grace, Lord, to bring forgiveness. 
Thank you for the strength, God, to find the ladders and to climb them. Let us be diligent about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.